0: I'm Ambreen Khan, and you're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Modern paganism is a rich tradition filled with diverse beliefs and distinct practices. And while it's growing, many misconceptions remain. That's why the Firefly House, the pan-pagan organization in Washington, DC, makes many of its events open to anyone who wants to learn more about its traditions. During the pandemic, the Firefly House moved its programs online. Now, they're making plans to gather again in person. In the coming weeks, they will meet at a camp to celebrate the festival Sahin. Back in 2018, producers Stephanie Lecce and Melissa Fato traveled to northern Virginia when the group gathered to celebrate Maybon, the autumnal equinox. Melissa Fato brings us that story. Even though it officially becomes fall
1: on this day, It's still pretty warm, and the air is heavy with humidity. Initiate David Dashefin-Keys shows me around the area where the Firefly House is holding a three-day retreat.
2: We're in uh, Prince William National Forest Park. We're in one of their cabin campgrounds, so we are sort of in a forest clearing. There's some trees strewn about that clearing
1: A group of about 10 people are gathered around a fire pit in the camp, while about 30 more are tucked away in one of the cabins.
2: The National Forest puts a fire ring down. We had to bring our own wood in because it was just a little bit too wet to find too much deadfall to try to use what was already here. So we brought our own.
1: The fire is not yet lit, but the logs are dressed with what looks like a variety of herbs and dried plants. And that's because this is no normal fire pit. Later, this will be lit as a sacred fire, to mark the Mabon holiday. Other preparations include an altar.
2: We have uh, low to the ground, sort of at kneeling height, a small chest that over top of which, we've placed sort of a wine-dark cloth around that we've placed some fall leaves. They're a garland, like just fake. We didn't, it's too early in the season to get a lot of fall-colored leaves. On the back, we have three pillar votive candles, like the seven-day candles. And in front of the candles then, sort of in the middle of that chest, we have a statue of the Greek goddess Persephone. Persephone is the goddess of spring. She's also the queen of the underworld. She is the wife of Hades. So our ritual today is in honor of Persephone here as she descends into the underworld for the colder, darker months of the year. So she takes place of honor this weekend for us here on the altar space. We also have some incense burning, stuff like that, just to sort of create a little bit more of a spiritual sense here around the altar, as well as a pentacle, the five-pointed star in a circle that we put on the altar, which is uh, one of the symbols that are often used by Wiccans as a symbol of our faith.
1: But the main attraction today is the ritual itself. David Salisbury will lead it. After all, he wrote the script that will be used. He says the main theme for this year's ritual is recognizing one's own lightness and darkness.
3: In many religious traditions and wonderful spiritual traditions around the world, one's inner darkness is something that should either be ignored or even banished or discarded. You know, the goal is to evolve past your darkness. But in the craft, we try to avoid anything that discards our power. Right, so nothing within us is profane, including our darkness, and the darkness
4: can teach us a lot. So the dark part of the year is often a lot about, you know, turning inward and working on yourself or working on some people will say your shadow self or your shadow side.
1: That's Mason Davenport.
4: What has been built over the year? What am I gonna take from that and what and what am I gonna store, right? What am I gonna store in order to have it next year, in order to sow it and to harvest it again?
1: Davenport is a member of a different pan-pagan group in D.C., the mainly druid San Asuk.
4: For me, druidry is it's just focused on being alive and in tune and connected to all of the other living beings and non-living beings, for that matter, that exist on this beautiful, crazy, wonderful planet with us.
1: Part of creating those connections includes building community, which is why the druid group is sharing the Firefly House's Maybon Ritual. Because paganism is often a solitary practice, Davenport says rituals offer a chance to worship in a community setting.
4: That feeling and that energy that can be raised with others can't, I don't think you can replicate that by yourself. And it is, for me anyway, largely about community and harvesting from the community what we've built together and what we want to continue to build.
1: Moen Michelle is the founder of the San Asik community. She says it's
5: important to mark the seasons. For our faith, um, many of us are animists, right? So we don't necessarily believe in gods or goddesses or a god form, but we do believe that the natural cycles that have formed us as humans are really central in a deeply psychological, deeply spiritual way. And that recognizing the passage of time on a yearly basis is just a... It's an ancient practice. It's a foundational practice. Michelle says rituals can also bring a sense of restoration. Everyone I know is really feeling tired and overwhelmed right now by the state of the world, by national politics. I'm very socially active. I'm very much an activist. So for me today is about just finding that stillness within that allows me to relax enough to refresh and renew and to be committed to what I do in the world every day and to go out and make change and um, be better. That activism is important not only to
1: Michelle, but also many members of the Firefly House. And Salisbury, the Maybon ritual leader, says recognizing and harnessing those dark and light parts of oneself is essential to being a strong activist.
3: So in our ritual today, we focused on calling upon our inner darkness and our inner light to understand ourselves because we believe that we can't change the world around us unless we can change the world within us first. So we take a practical approach to activism as well as a deeply spiritual religious approach.
1: Which is why he's worked so hard on the ritual at hand, even though he claims he's not a creative type.
3: But ritual writing is an art. It's something that, when done right, is a very creative process, not just for you, but your resulting product uh, must inspire creativity, some sort of emotion or change within someone. Otherwise, it's just people sitting in a pew listening to you know their, their preacher.
1: But here in the forest, there are no pews to be found. Instead, everyone is waiting to be called into a circle to begin the ritual. And that's the job of the so-called town yeller, a position held by a new initiate of the Firefly House, Kiora Fraser. She will call the quarters, literally calling out east, south, west, and north parts of the compass rose. And she will perform a hundred-plus-year-old occult practice now used in modern Wicca called
6: circle casting. That means I'm going to cast a circle around all of the participants in today's rite and create a safe and powerful space for us to bring blessings and give energy back to the earth and thank for all the energy it has given to us. To do this, she uses a tool that looks like a small silver knife. What I am holding is a silver athame. Of the goddess. So she has the swirl in her stomach and her arms above her head, and she is technically cradling the knife. Now, the athame is a witch's tool. It comes to, how do I say this? Direct energy. You could akin it to a wand, but it's not the same thing. It's more bringing energy from up or down into a space. And I'm using it to cast the circle today. With everyone circling
1: the altar in the clearing, Salisbury instructs them to summon the dark and light parts of themselves.
3: So I asked you to conjure up those disparate parts of yourself within your body, because today, which is actually the real autumnal equinox, we're going to harness the power of this day to bring those disparate parts into alignment.
1: In the middle of the altar are pomegranates and apples at the foot of a small white statue. It's Persephone, a deity from Greek mythology who, as the story goes, was kidnapped by the god Hades, forced to marry and become queen of the underworld. Persephone isn't traditionally associated with Maybon, but this is where the ritual writer Salisbury showed his creativity.
3: In the lore, Demeter, her mother, she's the goddess of the earth and all growing things. And when her daughter goes missing, she grieves. She's trying to look for her. She essentially tells all beings on the earth. If I can't have my daughter, then you don't get to have sunshine and spring and a harvest. So she casts the earth into darkness. Humans begin to starve. The gods needing offerings from humans to survive say, Demeter, what can we do? We need, we need you to reverse all of this. What can we do to bring Persephone back? And Demeter is personally approached by Zeus, and he says, well, let's negotiate here. The king of the underworld can keep her for roughly half of the year because she has eaten six seeds from the pomegranate, forbidden fruit of the underworld. For the remaining months, she's allowed to return. And the pomegranate is the symbol of these mysteries. So what we're going to be doing is taking fruits representing death and the descent, the pomegranate, as well as apples, fruits representing life, uh, the richness of the upper world in the heavens,
1: one by one, each participant takes a piece of the pomegranate and eats a seed.
3: Above and below, as you descend to the land of the shades, we call upon you to draw ever closer.
1: The they then take turns walking forward to the statue and crush the piece of pomegranate over Persephone as an offering. The thick red juice slides down her white form the seeds collecting on the earth around her.
3: So the squeezing of the pomegranate is our offering back to the earth. So in many magical systems, everything should be an exchange in some way. So we're asking for something. We're also giving something back. You know, it's how energy works. You know, it's neither created nor destroyed.
1: The people in the circle then eat a slice of apple.
3: And as you bite into that apple and you taste that, that bitter sweetness... Think about life and those upper-worldly powers that you summoned in your body.
1: Salisbury then calls on each person to call aloud the phrase, so mote it be, a common way to end Wiccan and Pagan prayers and spells. So it be. So it be.
2: So mote it be. So
3: mote it be. So mote it be.
6: So mote it be. So mote it be. So mote it be.
1: Meanwhile, the town yeller opens up the circle again. So mote
6: it be. Guardians of the North, South, East, and West, thank you for joining us today in this rite. I now close the circle, opening it to all who came. Thank you for being there. East, we thank you. West, we thank you. South, we thank you. And as I return to my place at the beginning, the circle
1: is open. As the circle breaks up, it's clear that the Maybon celebration brought in folks from all walks of life. And many aren't members of the Firefly House. Like Wilson Freeman, who is currently a member of an Ordo Templi Orientis, or OTO, lodge. Adherents, known as Thelemites, follow a philosophy created by English occultist Aleister Crowley in the early 20th century. Unlike many pagans, Freeman wasn't raised with any religion— So ritual and faith for him have always been an open experiment. Though he's currently involved in the OTO, his practice is a highly eclectic one and very individualized.
7: I actually was writing about this the other day. It's very hard for me to really identify, like, if I somebody asked what my religion was. Because to me, a religion is a series of practices. And my practices don't fit any of the things that I actually am involved in. It's kind of, I've taken little bits and pieces of everything. Um, most of the groups that I belong to, in OTO is a good example, kind of allow people to, like, there is no standard, necessarily, of practices. It's like, these are things we suggest that you do, but it's not required. And so, like, I'd say my personal practices and beliefs are kind of somewhere in a combination of Shingun Buddhism, Druidry, and actually Quakerism. I was involved in a Quaker meeting for a long time. And all of those things, there's kind of elements of all of those things in Lima, So that's kind of why I've been drawn to that particular path. Everything I do is very meaningful to me because if it's not meaningful to me, I don't do it. But Freeman says there's a downside to this DIY spirituality. The flip side of kind of having your own system is that you you kind of share it with yourself alone.
1: That's why community is so important for the folks here, because even if each person is practicing their spirituality in a different way, at least they can do it with like-minded, accepting people. Freeman points out that pagan practices can be really appealing to women, people of color, and those identifying as LGBTQ.
7: I'd say because traditionally... Pagan practices tend to be more like gender equal. They tend to be more accepting or even referencing directly of things like same-sex relationships. And there's a lot of, you know, goddess worship and that kind of thing. So women tend to find it very empowering whereas with Judeo-Christian religions it's very paternalistic, it's very kind of top-down, very male-centric. Pagan religions tend to be more kind of lateral. It's it's less hierarchical. There's more of an equal focus on men and women there's more roles for people who are kind of outside of a gender binary, that kind of thing.
1: Jamie Panetta agrees. Like Freeman, she's not a member of the Firefly House. And she's not even pagan. But she came to the Maybon celebration to see if the tradition might meet her spiritual needs while respecting her cultural identity.
3: A lot of folks who identify as folks of color, particularly queer and trans folks, are practicing different spiritual traditions as a way of decolonizing their practices and their identities. So my family's from the Philippines, which was colonized by Spain and also by the U.S. through imperialism. And a lot of our spiritual traditions were either stripped away because of Catholicism or um, different value systems placed on top of that. So for me, it's... Very resistance oriented and very social justice oriented to not practice something like Catholicism and actually try to investigate my own indigeneity. But
1: because many branches of Neo paganism are based on European mythology, these communities can often be, well, mostly white. Kiora Frazier, the town yeller from The Ritual, says the Firefly House makes space for diverse experiences. She herself practices African Wicca.
6: I hope to bring a little bit more awareness to the kind of intersectionality that I technically represent. So, like, black people who also practice Wicca or witchcraft, who also have, like, that kind of Afrocentric background. I want to show everybody that you can be all three. I mean, in the, both the black community and the normal pagan community, there's a kind of, you have to pick one kind of thought. And Firefly is very much of make your own amalgamate. And I like that about them. Frazier says that African Wicca has its own distinct flair. We have different deities that I would pray to because I have ones that my family has been praying to for like centuries. And so Firefly has been Greek in origin. But they are a pagan group, so we have multiple people who have multiple deities that choose to connect with. Because there's so many different people with different backgrounds in Firefly, we have a chance to have everybody have a little info session or class for each individual's way of praying to their God or goddess. It's very nice. I like it. While a few of the
1: Firefly House's practices are only open to initiates, most of their info sessions and classes are available to anyone who's interested. Salisbury says that's on
3: purpose. We pride ourselves on being very open and approachable. Um, A lot of traditions of the craft are very secretive, um, part of that is practical um, for religious discrimination reasons. Um, and part of it is that witchcraft is a mystery tradition, right? So there are certain elements that we like to keep secret at certain times to bring people into those mysteries the right way so that they get an experience that, you know, deepens their practice and their understanding of the divine. So in our system, we do as much as we can public and we go all out with how public that is.
1: Salisbury says that by doing so, the Firefly House can be a space to demystify and destigmatize pan-pagan traditions. For Interfaith Voices, I'm Melissa Fato.
0: Coming up next on Inspired, though pagans with a capital P are by far a religious minority in the United States, we'll learn how more and more Americans from other traditions are incorporating pagan spiritual practices and why crystals, tarot cards, and a focus on nature are becoming more prevalent. Stay with us.